Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast. We've got a very special edition of the show this week. I am joined by JC Abbott and Justin Dunk, who killed it on the live stream of the 2021 CFL Draft. Boys, congratulations on a great show. We're going to go team by team here in a moment, break down what we thought of every team's individual drafts. But first, again, I want to congratulate you on great work. And let's start with Dunkster. Why don't you take us behind what it was like to host a three and a half hour live stream on YouTube? Well, it's easy when you come with the institutional and scouting knowledge that J.C. Abbott had. I was just a point guard shuffling it around. We had Rod Peterson to bring the riders perspective, which is obviously much needed anytime you're talking about anything in the Canadian Football League. We had Dintea Jay, who brought the player's perspective, what it's like to be drafted, what it's like to try to make it in the league. He took us through that. And then, of course, JC and I breaking it down. But I feel like JC was really the star of the night. Well, JC, why don't you take us through that? You you obviously put in a massive amount of work to to put the show together and to, to, to be ready. I mean, there was a pull tonight from a Cornell defensive back and you did not <laughs> flinch. How do you prepare for this thing? Uh, well, it's a, it's a long process, Hodge. Um, I start with uh, the annual draft list whenever it comes out or wherever Three Down Nation's intrepid reporters get their hands on it. And I pull out the names. I research every single player at the start. I have an ongoing list throughout the year. I, I watch them whenever I can in person. I watch whatever tape I can get my hands on. Um, so when that Cornell defensive back comes up, uh, he may have not been on my radar recently, but he was on my radar months ago. So I have that information on file. I have that instant recall for hundreds of guys uh, every draft class where I'm able to uh, to bring that knowledge to you, the fans. But but really, it's it's easy when you've got a point guard like Dunk uh, handing off to you, um, bringing along a broadcast rookie like myself and making it easy for me. Well, I thought you guys killed it. It was a spectacular live stream. I have carpal tunnel syndrome now after creating <laughs> all the picks for the site. Uh, but that's a small price to pay for the uh, for the grades. Um you know, I, I was very proud of the, the coverage. I thought it looked super slick on YouTube, and uh, I want to commend you guys again. You did a great job. And this, this draft, I mean, the CFL draft is weird any year. This year's draft, I think, was especially weird. Obviously, there's a ton of interesting circumstances with COVID. You got players going back to school. We had some shocking, shocking picks made in the first round. Dunkster, what was the biggest surprise for you? Well, I feel like we're going to all say the same pick, man, and that was Cole Nelson, defensive lineman from the University of Alberta, going five overall. This is nothing against Cole Nelson, the player. We have yet to see him fully develop. He wasn't on the field in 2020, but it's just about value in terms of that pick where GM Brock Sunderland is making the choice. I don't feel like it puts Nelson in the best spot because now so much is going to be expected of him being a first-round pick. And yes, of course, he is a local product, so people are going to like that. But to me, that was the one that throughout the league shocked people. When I was on the live stream with JC, my phone lit up after that pick happened and people just couldn't believe what went down. JC, how about you? What was the biggest surprise? Well, I mean, Nelson was without question the biggest surprise, but 
but that's not fair to pile on him with, with multiple picks. So I'll go a different spot. I'll say Jake Burt at number one overall to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, everyone thought it was going to be Terrell Janna at that spot. I thought it was going to be Terrell Janna at that spot. Instead, they go with a tight end from Boston College. Uh, a fantastic player. Uh, he's got great potential. Um, but for me, the value in selecting a tight end or an H-back, a fullback, with the first overall selection, when he's only going to be on the field for a certain number of plays and you've already got a guy in Nikola Kalinic in the building, uh, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So that was very surprising. This episode of the Three Down Nation podcast is brought to you by the one and only Manscaped. This is your pubic Service announcement, not public, pubic, and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and, of course, Canada. This new trimmer was just released moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. That's what we do at 3 Down Nation. We break news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. If you didn't get me, One more time, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. For sure, and we're going to talk a lot more about that pick when we get to the Ticats, but we're going to start... JC, where you live on the West Coast. We're going to start with the BC Lions. They took two futures to start the draft. Daniel Joseph out of North Carolina State, the defensive lineman in round one. Round two, you get Alaric Jackson, the offensive lineman out of Iowa State. Joseph is going back, or pardon me, out of Iowa. Joseph is going back to school. Jackson is under contract in the NFL. What can you tell us about BC's draft class? Well, I think it has the potential to be one of the better draft classes if players come north. Uh, Daniel Joseph is a guy I think can be a top pass rusher in the CFL, a a ratio breaker uh, that can start for you on the end as a Canadian. But he's going back to NC State next year. He put up a great season in 2020 with six and a half sacks. He might get NFL interest. And if so, you're going to have to wait a while for him. Alaric Jackson has a lot of potential uh, as a guard or even a tackle in the CFL. He's got some nice traits. Uh, He fell in the NFL draft uh, process due to some sloppiness to his game. Uh, But he has an NFL opportunity with the Los Angeles Rams. And should he stick, he's not going to be with the BC Lions anytime soon. And even if you go to their last pick of the draft in in the sixth round with someone like Tyler Packer, uh, he's a guy who's also a projection. He's a, a big hit if he succeeds. But the last time we saw him play, he was at 340 pounds, a lumbering player for the Calgary Dinos. Uh, If he can upgrade his level of play as a 305 pounder, which is what he is 
now, then this is a fantastic selection. If he's still that same lumbering player, then it's not as good in the sixth round. The one pick that does stand out, however, Ben Halagic, the linebacker from UBC, that one's a slam dunk. Yeah, and let's let's talk a little more about that dunkster. What can you tell us about Ben Halatic? I thought he was a brilliant fit here. What are your thoughts? I really like it. Hometown kid, so it makes a lot of sense. Played at the University of British Columbia. There was a lot made about his pro day numbers, and we'll never really know unless the Lions are going to put him through all those drills again, which probably really doesn't matter because you actually have to play football. <laughs> but Ben Halatic, a big physical dude, can run, maybe then better than people give him credit for and I'll be curious to see how he transitions to the CFL kind of in the mold of a Jack Kassar now he went earlier to the Argos in 2020 but Halatic to me is similar in the sense that they're big thumpers at the U sports level but can they transition and run and do the kinds of things you need to do to cover space at the CFL level find out yeah, I thought it was interesting. Some teams got a now guy. And by the way, when we talk about now guys and future guys, uh, future picks are players who are going back to school in 2021 or are currently under contract with the NFL. In other words, futures are players who are not going to be signing CFL contracts in 2021. Now guys is kind of the term that's being thrown around for players who will be expected to be in the CFL in 2021. Uh, some teams, if you look like, you know, the Toronto Argonauts, they take Peter Nicastro, a now guy to start, then they take two futures in Sage Doxtator and Luigi Villain. I thought BC got really lucky. They took two futures to start, and they still got a really good now guy in Ben Halatic. I would have I would have been perfectly fine with them taking Halatic in the first round. I thought they should have taken him in the second round. They got lucky, in my opinion, getting him at 22, great pick. Let's go to the Calgary Stampeders next because they made two future selections from the uh, University of Oklahoma State. And uh, Dunkster, I thought that they were excellent selections. I really liked it here. You take some home run cuts on a roster that, yeah, they needed some offensive linemen and they got that help in round two with Bryce Bell from Wilfrid Laurier. But Amen Ogbong Bamiga from Oklahoma State, if he comes up here, could be a potential ratio changer. And they take Chuba Hubbard in the fifth round just after Edmonton passed on him when Edmonton took Cole Nelson in the first round. They elect against taking Hubbard that I think alone would have been worth that late round pick just for the PR reasons, but Hubbard could be an absolute still If he ever comes up here, it should be said, there's sort of this long developing trend, and I'll ask you guys this question. Who is the last Canadian selected in an NFL draft to actually come up and play? We talk about this all the time, the sexiness of it, but it's been a long time. I'm curious if you guys can even have a name. Mm. I Maybe don't have lost of my tongue. Austin Colley, maybe? Was he selected? That could be. It's been a while. Yeah, I don't know if it was Colley because he was never picked in the CFL draft. He came up here as a free agent, but you're in the right area. It's been a long time. That's just to show that if we can't come up with a name, man, it's been a while since a guy actually came back up here after he played in the NFL and was drafted in the CFL. And that's fair. I mean, fifth round is not a a risky spot, especially in this draft, which is not particularly deep beyond the initial kind of elite talent level that was at the top of this draft. Um, but, you know, Eamon Ogbongamiga, an undrafted free agent signing, a guy who I think you're a lot more likely to see 
Um, I've referred to his body type uh, being uh, referred to as a dime a dozen uh, in the NFL. He's 6'1", 235, though he did run better at his pro day than I thought a lot of people thought he would. Let's talk about Bryce Bell, JC. He was an offensive lineman out of Wilfrid Laurier, played right tackle there, and he was the first now selection for Calgary. Eamon Ogbongamiga, the first future. Bell, the first now. What can you tell us about this guy? Well, I think he's a really special player. and I, I didn't get a, a good chance to talk about him on the broadcast. He got a little bit lost in the shuffle, and that's a disservice to him because he's a very, very talented player. He absolutely explodes out of his stance and pass protection. He's fantastic at those reach blocks on the edge. He's a little bit undersized or was undersized for most of his life, but technically one of the most sound linemen uh, in the CFL draft. And I think he really fits in nicely for depth along their offensive line. Uh, he can slog in behind somebody like Justin Lawrence at guard and potentially start early for you if you need him to. Yeah, I thought that was a nice pick. The, the Stamps lost a couple of really good offensive linemen to retirement this offseason, and Shane Bergman, who was a CFL All-Star in 2019, and Brad Erdos, who had some, some injury issues, missed 2019, I believe it was with a torn ACL. Um, so all in all, a, a very interesting draft for the Stamps. One guy I'll, I'll quickly shout out is uh, the pick out of York, and I hope I'm going to say this right, Luther Hakanivanu. Mm-hmm. Uh, six foot four, very raw receiver, born in Edmonton, but man, he's got some physical tools. I would love to see him develop there and reach his potential. Let's go to Edmonton next. We're going to start with JC because this is the city of your birth, and the Edmonton football team made the biggest shock of the day with their first round selection of Alberta defensive tackle Cole Nelson. What can you tell us about that selection? Well, this is a big projection on Edmonton's behalf. What they're doing here is they're betting on Nelson's potential because he hasn't shown it at the U-sport level. In 2019, he only had 11 tackles as a defensive tackle, um, didn't play very much, but he's 6'6", 311 pounds. He runs a, a sub-five-second 40-yard dash, which is absolutely insane for his size especially in the CFL draft process so they're betting that he has more in the tank than what he's shown and that he would have broken out this year had there been a U-sports season is it a good gamble at five I don't think so they could have gotten him much later in the draft yeah this was a pick I I gave an F in my grading and I want to say this I don't think Cole Nelson's a bad player I think Cole Nelson uh, has, as JC said, some very intriguing raw athleticism at his size. But the fact of the matter is that Edmonton could have very comfortably picked him in the fourth round. They probably could have even gotten him in the fifth round. I texted a bunch of people when that pick came out because I just about fell out of my chair when it happened. And uh, I got four responses from people. Uh, I asked, well, where was Cole Nelson on your board? Two people just texted back the word late. One person texted back the word sixth, and another person said, we'd consider him at four. So that is the draft board, you know, build of of other teams. Um, And obviously, Cole Nelson, maybe you get a little bit of extra value because he's a local kid. He's an Alberta player. Um, But I just think if you're looking at him as a developmental lineman, 
You take him in the fourth. You take him in the fifth. First round pick with all the other talent on the board. Man, that that was a shocker to me. That that I would almost compare it to 2011 when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers selected Jada Tien at fourth overall, uh, basically based purely on his physical raw athletic traits. Let's go to Dunkster. I really thought that Edmonton hit on their next couple of picks. I'm interested to see, Dunkster, what you think of Grant McDonald in the second round. We got Deontay Glover and a very intriguing prospect in Buffalo receiver Dominic Johnson. Grant McDonald, an absolute stud who I covered extensively during the Dinos Vanier Cup run, did a number of his games, I believe, all through the playoffs and even the national semifinals, certainly the Vanier Cup that I was fortunate enough to call with Mark Lee on CBC, a guy that was a tight end at Maine and then came back up here because he wanted to play with his brother at the University of Calgary, dynamite pick there, a guy arguably that if they flipped the picks, it would look much better. If McDonald went in the first round and they picked Nelson in the second round, maybe wouldn't have caused the reaction that it did. Round three, Deontay Glover, Hodge, a guy that you broke the story about, him being added to the draft, looks like an intriguing running back prospect, seems like a dynamic talent in the backfield. We'll see how he develops there. And at first, on the CFL.ca tracker, they listed Dominic Johnson as a quarterback. And I guess that's partially right because he originally went to the University of Buffalo to play quarterback. Converted to a receiver, has played sparingly here and there, certainly has intriguing athletic traits. He's big as well, has a nice frame there. So I would imagine receiver is going to be his position, not quarterback. I got a little bit excited because they listed him like that. And I'm like, oh, they actually play Canadian quarterback. Happens, that's probably not going to be there. But anyways, I do like those <laughs> three picks in Edmonton, second, third, and fourth round. Yeah, Mike Beaudry, the only quarterback in this draft class who I thought had a realistic chance of getting picked out of Idaho. Didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, Dominic Johnson, yeah, I think he's one of the most intriguing guys. He's a guy who actually played for the Buffalo uh, basketball team as a walk-on. So, you know, 6'5", 225, really interesting, but very, very raw prospect. Um, let's go on. We'll, we'll stay with Dunkster for this one. We're going to go to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders had the number two pick. They used it on another guy who you extensively covered in Canada West when, when traveling the country and covering those games throughout the, the 2019 season and I think dating back years prior even. I remember you telling me years ago I was at a game, Bisons and Huskies, and you said you got to watch for Nelson Lacombo. He's Bo Lacombo's brother, and he's great. And tonight he became the number two pick in the 2021 CFL draft. And dare I say he might end up being better than his brother. Bo Lacombo, a stud athlete wow. in his own right, but Nelson Lacombo just has those instincts on the field that looks like he's playing a different game, Hodge. And you saw him live with your own eyes that day that I told you about him. And I've been raving about him ever since because I've seen how he reads plays, diagnoses, breaks on the football, comes downhill as a physical presence and can line up at different spots. He's played boundary corner he's played boundary halfback he can even rotate back to safety like he could play Sam linebacker in an instant in U sports and has the ability I think potentially to do that at the CFL level if he develops and earns he's gonna have to put a little bit of weight on most likely if he wants to do that but I think a very intriguing pick and it makes a ton of sense because he went to the University of Saskatchewan he's used to what it's like to live in that province has embraced it clearly and he'll continue to wear the green and white for the riders 
Yeah, I was shocked. And we're going to get to JC on their third-round pick because I know that this is his favorite player in the whole draft. But I want to talk a little bit about Terrell Janna. He's a guy who I had going number one to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They end up taking a different player, Jake Burt, tight end, which was, to me, a, a shocker. Um, I honestly think that the Riders were going to take Burt at two. LaCombo becomes the pick with Burt off the board. The other guy I think they strongly considered at second overall was Janna, and guess what? He's available at 17. I, I don't understand how he made it there, especially considering Ottawa picked twice, and Ottawa's national receiving group is not up to snuff. Um, it's uh, it, it's remarkable. And they add him to a pretty full receiver room. You got you know Jake Hardy, who's coming back from the injury. You got uh, Braden Lenius Dickey, who's down in weight to play wide out. You've got Justin McKinnis, former first-round pick. you got a lot of talent there. Uh, but they add Janna, and uh, I think it's one of the steals of the day. I gave it an A+. I don't give out A-pluses lightly, but I gave that pick an A+. I thought it was sensational. Also, shout-out to Elaine Simakinda, their fourth-round pick. He's one of my favorites, too. But, JC, let's talk about Bruno LaBelle, tight end out of Cincinnati, your favorite player in the 2021 CFL draft class. He's been called the best fullback prospect since Roly Lambala, and I really have a hard time disagreeing with that. Uh, there's a reason why the Arizona Cardinals signed him as an undrafted free agent, despite the fact he doesn't have a lot of receiving production at the University of Cincinnati. And the reason why is because he's an absolute dominant run blocker. Uh, he just knocks guys around. And even in pass protection, playing against Division One competition, there are reps on tape where he wipes out Division one defensive ends better than many of the offensive linemen in this draft class. So he's a player that if he comes to Saskatchewan can be a difference maker at a position that isn't often a difference maker. Yeah, I think the I think the Riders coveted LaBelle and Burt was added to the class, especially given that he's a Regina native, right? I think that would have been the number two pick. Uh, they didn't get the chance to scoop him up, but still hell of a job i'll say this i think the riders had the best draft class of any team i'm going to be ranking all nine draft classes for three down nation on thursday check that out on the site or pardon me for wednesday check that out on the site um but i'm going to tell you right now i'm going to spoil it on the pod riders number one uh next we go to my home province the winnipeg blue bombers uh had six picks they took a future with their first selection we'll go back to jc what can you tell us about the six foot three, three hundred and forty-four pound basketball dunking Liam Dobson? Every year, uh, a, one of the college football reporters, Bruce Feldman, a very respected voice in that field, puts out a list that he calls his top fifty freaks list. It's a who's who of of future first round picks, uh, guys who make impacts in the NFL, and last year. Liam Dobson, out of the University of Maine, no less, was on that list as one of the top 50 physical freaks in college football. And you said exactly why. Can dunk a basketball at 340 pounds. Now, I think he needs to cut a little bit of weight when he comes to the CFL. He's maybe not as mobile in pass protection as you want for the Canadian game. 
but he takes guys and he drives them into next week as a run blocker. So physical, so big, so powerful, so explosive. He's a really special player, and the belly that he hangs out is just the piece de resistance. (laughs) Yeah, the Bombers, they'll have to wait on Dobson for a little bit. He's transferred to Texas State. He'll play there in 2021 as he looks to generate some NFL interest for 2022, but I agree with you, JC. I think he's going to be a road grader if he ever plays in the CFL. After that dunkster, the Bombers made a future selection in three. They took Patrice Rene, uh, formerly of North Carolina, now is at Rutgers, uh, along with a bunch of guys that you've covered, either in Can West or guys who you've covered in the Vanier Cup, specifically Montreal Caravan, strong side linebacker Retta Cramdy. What were your thoughts on the rest of Winnipeg's selections? Cramdy going 16 to me was a little later because I thought Danny Machocha, the former University of Montreal head coach who coached Cramdy, was going to take him with their 10th overall pick to start the second round. But he falls to Winnipeg, a nasty, tough, physical player that can potentially, certainly at the U-Sports level, played multiple positions but at the CFL level, I would imagine he's going to be a special teamer guy that's trying to carve out a role as a defensive back, probably more of a safety. I have a hard time seeing him as a potential strong side linebacker. I don't think he's that athletic, but a guy that's going to be ultra physical. Robbie Lowe's, who they took in the fourth round, is a guy that flies around the field and is relentless. He has really no care for his body. I would say reckless abandon is how he played. And Kyle Borsa, much talked about heading into the draft because he's from Regina. And I know he had a gathering COVID-19 safely with his family there. They wanted him to go to the Riders. But he talked about in his pre-draft press conference, the comparison to Nick Dembski and embracing it. Well, he's going to go get to learn from him. And Borsa is absolutely explosive. Take the Canadian away. He's explosive for any football player coming out of this league in any part of the world. 4.46 in the 40. You know, might be a little faster, might be a little slower based on the virtual pro days, but this dude is fast. I've seen it in person. He hasn't ever had the chance to be a number one running back at the U Sports level, but I don't think that necessarily mattered here. It would have helped him gone higher in the board, but I think he goes to a perfect place. He can learn from Andrew Harris as a running back. He can learn from Nick Dembski to be that receiver, running back, versatile offensive weapon type, so it's a great spot for Borsa. Yeah, I think uh, you know the Bombers, they, they lost Grafala Exame, who was a late-round pick out of Montreal in 2019 to free agency. He, he ended up being a complete stud on special teams, had 25 special teams tackles, and it would not surprise me if the Bombers said, hey, we need depth at safety, and we just got a hell of a deal on Exame out of Montreal. What if we took... You know, a guy who's who's essentially Kerfala Exame in terms of build, in terms of skill set, and say, well, let's take Cramdy. I think 16 was a little bit high for me for Cramdy, but uh, I can certainly see why the Bombers made the pick. Uh, we're going to go on now. We'll stay with Dunkster. The Hamilton Tiger Cats had the first overall pick in this draft. They also picked at nine uh, because of the horrible Johnny Manziel trade that Cavis <laughs> Reed agreed to years ago as the general manager of the Montreal Alouettes. <laughs> 
I was shocked, frankly, at both selections Hamilton made in one. What can you tell us about the selection of tight end Jake Burt out of Boston College and the selection of strong side linebacker Nick Cross out of UBC? So Burt was a surprise in one sense that, and I'll just talk for myself here, and talking to people around the league, they felt like Jana was an ideal fit for a number of reasons, that the Ticats needed well, I shouldn't say needed, but potentially could look to add a receiver because they drafted David Unger, I believe, in the second round a year ago. But they felt like maybe he wasn't pro-ready or they felt like the Ticats might not feel like that. But clearly, that's a different feeling inside the building. And when you look at it, it actually makes some sense in a couple ways. Jake Burt is versatile. That's something that Orlando Steinauer preaches and his character, I think, will fit right in he's smooth he's very charismatic talking to him on the press conference and anytime i feel like we talk about a player and alex singleton has come in this mold as well even though he spent less time there than bert but a player that's signed with the new england patriots and been around bill belichick that that ups their draft status here so when nikola kalinic went out of the lineup for the ticats and was injured in 2019 they were not able to run some of the same offensive sets that they were when he was healthy and with them. So Jake Burt gets the opportunity to come on this team and be in that role and compete with Kalinich for it. So it gives them some depth. So if one of them gets hurt, then the other guy is there to help out so they don't have to lose part of their offense. Yeah, it was uh, it was not a pick that I had... Uh uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll say this. We, we had odds up on the site that I put together with, with our partners at Bodog for the first overall selection. Burt was not listed. There was no hype around Burt. And I'll give the, I'll give the Thai Cats credit. They, they played the cards close to the chest. And by the way, worst thing, well, I shouldn't say worst thing about COVID because there's lots of terrible things about COVID. But in terms of covering the draft during COVID, the worst thing is that teams don't fly in the first overall pick anymore, mm-hmm. which means... You know, normally you'd know who it was the day before. Now you'd never know until they say it. And uh, definitely, I, I think a lot of people were surprised when Jake Burt was the first name off the board. We'll go to UJC for the second uh, second first-round pick that the Cats made because he played in your backyard there with the Thunderbirds. Nick Cross, tell us about him at ninth overall. Well, he's a hyper-productive uh, coverage linebacker. He started out his career uh, with the University of Regina Rams, was the rookie of the year in the, in the Canada West, and unfortunately had that award stripped from him because he, he tested positive for cannabis, uh, which was a, a banned su- substance in youth sports. Uh, ended up transferring, spent a year playing in the CJFL with the Okanagan Sun, and, and ended up at UBC, and along the way, he hasn't missed a step just extremely productive the type of guy who gives you 70 tackles flies around the football field uh, dips under blocks can make every play can help you in coverage he's probably a safety uh, in the CFL level because of his size but he can do all sorts of different things for you and we know that Hamilton loves guys from UBC they they collect them they've got a lot of different Thunderbirds athletes on that roster now the one concern with Cross uh, is that he's suffered some major injuries as of late. Uh, we haven't seen him since those have occurred, um, so there was some concern about maybe he's lost a step, um, maybe those injuries will linger. But if the 
Ticats believe he's healthy, uh, I think this is a really strong pick. Yeah, that was what shocked me about Cross, because he's coming off a torn ACL. He's 14 months removed from it, but... You know, we, we've seen it in past drafts. Guys who have an injury history or are still working back from injury typically fall. That is that is usually a, a, a you know a fact that you can take you you could take that to the bank, right? If a guy is coming off an injury, there's going to be some type of adverse effect on his draft position. And Cross rocketed up. I thought he would go in the third or fourth round. That's where I had him penciled in. Uh, so good for him. He gets a nice boost. Uh, two picks that I found very intriguing, both futures for the Cats. You get Dean Leonard at 18, Mohamed Diallo at 19. Leonard transfers from Calgary to Ole Miss for 2020 and does not skip a beat, playing in the most competitive division in college football for the Rebels. I think he's got potential NFL uh, futures uh, uh, on the horizon. He's going to be... Uh, looking to get drafted in 2022. And then Mohamed Diallo is in the transfer portal right now. He's played for about 17 different universities, Western Arizona, Texas A&M, Central Michigan. He's trying to move again. Um, but uh, the fact is he's a guy who could be very disruptive, almost like a Ted LaRonde-type disruption in the middle. And uh, there's a chance he'll sign this year. So if he becomes a now guy instead of a future, uh, I think he's uh, he could be a great pick there for them. Uh, we'll stick with JC. We're going to go on to the Toronto Argonauts now. JC, we know you're an O-line coach. We know you love your big boys up front. And the Argos added two of them at the top of the draft. We've got Peter Nicastro in round one and Sage Doxtator, a guy you spoke with ahead of the draft at round two. What are your thoughts on Nicastro and Doxtator? These are two really strong offensive line selections, but two very different players. Um, in the first round, you get Nicastro. He's a he's an interior offensive line guy. He can play guard. He can play center. For me, he's a little bit of uh, shades of Darius Sirocco uh, a couple years ago, where his teammate got all the hype in the draft process. That was Logan Bandy. It was Ryan Sevier for uh, Darius Sirocco. But in the end, it's Nicastro that ends up with the higher grade. And he's a player, I think, if need be, can step into a starting role for the Argos. He's got really strong inside hands. He doesn't necessarily blow you off the ball, but he can turn your shoulders. He can wall you off. He can do all those things, and he moves really well in pass protection. Just a strong guard or center uh, for the Toronto team. Uh, Doc Stigger, on the other hand, is a mountain of a man. He's six foot seven. He's three hundred and fifty pounds, and he moves really well for that size, playing left tackle at New Mexico State University. He's a future. He's going back to school. He's hoping he can get to the NFL. Uh, but if he comes to Canada, he's a really intriguing tackle prospect as a Canadian. Now he's got. A little bit of a movement issue. He, he needs to cut some weight. You can beat him if you counter him inside. He doesn't necessarily change direction great, um, but he's long. He's physical. Uh, he can do the things you like to see from tackle prospects. And Toronto is starting a Canadian at right tackle in Jamal Campbell. If Doxtaker comes north, dare I say it, they could start an all-Canadian offensive line with him starting at the left side yeah that's a 
I, I know most people won't find that exciting, but I find that very exciting. Five Canadians on the offensive line will party like it's 1988 in the CFL. All Canadian offensive lines. Uh, Dougster, we'll go to you now. In a very interesting pick for the Argos at round three, one of the hardest players, I think, to project in this entire draft is Luigi Villain out of Wake Forest, and I would love for you to tell us why. <laughs> it's tricky because he went to the University of Michigan as a big-time recruit. Like We're talking a four-star recruit out of Canada to go to the big house with the Wolverines. A lot of hype around him, a lot of buzz. But he didn't live up to it. I believe JC had the exact snap count earlier. I think it was 156 that he's played in the NCAA. And now he's moved on to his next destination. But there are a lot of differing views out there because he had all the hype coming out and he hasn't yet lived up to it at the NCAA level. Yeah, he's a guy. Let's say let let's pretend for a moment that you move Luigi Villain to the next year's CFL draft. So let's say he's up for twenty twenty two. Well, if he goes to Wake Forest and he does nothing, then he's a back end pick. Well, if he lights it up, he's probably a first round pick. And so, you know, no one knows what he's gonna do at Wake Forest with a brand new team, but I'm I'm really excited to see what he does with the Demon Deacons. We'll go on now to the Ottawa Red Blacks, who I thought made some very strong picks at the top of this draft dunkster i would love to hear what you got to say about their first two selections both futures in deshaun stevens out of maine and alonzo Adai out of west virginia deshaun stevens as the three of us know might be a now guy like there's a chance if he doesn't get the offer that he wants from an ncaa school that he ends up here and the red blacks needed help a canadian linebacker a guy that if he's there now and even in the future could help at linebacker. He really wanted to play for his hometown Toronto Argos, but he's going to face them in that East Division. Alonzo Adai is a guy to me that if he has another season in the Big 12 like he did in 2020, he's going to garner NFL interest. I feel like his arrow is pointing up. It's a bit of a risky pick. Certainly has high upside because Adai, I feel like, would be a ratio breaker at this level. I think he could play corner up here. Maybe even put on a little bit of weight and be fine to play defensive halfback, certainly safety, and who knows, maybe even Sam linebacker. But he just moves so fluidly around the field that I feel like that's what the Ottawa Red Blacks see in him, although it's risky because of that NFL potential. Yeah, and I'll say this. The, the Ottawa Red Blacks desperately need an injection of talent. I don't think that's a secret. They were pretty miserable in 2019. Um, so I do think taking two futures off the top is scary. But at the same time, as you mentioned, Dunkster Stevens might not be a future. And if a die comes, I've had scouts tell me he could be the best Canadian defensive back in the CFL, which is high praise considering some of the great defensive backs we have in this league who are nationals. Uh, JC will go to you uh, for the next picks. Uh, they took Jake Julian in the fourth round, punter out of Eastern Michigan, and they took Keegan Markgraf, the best long snapper in the draft out of Utah in the fifth. But I want to hear about a guy who I know you love, their third-round pick, center Connor Bergloff out of the University of Saskatchewan. He is one of my favorite players in the draft, an absolute mover in the run game. 
part of one of the best rushing offenses in youth sports at the University of Saskatchewan, coached, of course, by Hall of Famer Scott Flory, uh, who brings that Mark Trestman style of offense to Saskatoon, uh, plays that pro style, and that's what Bergloff is. He's a he's a guy who can move you. He can climb to the second level. He does all the things you want from an offensive lineman without as much perhaps athletic flash as some of the other guys. Um, I wanted him for BC when we did our, our, our live mock draft, uh, but he comes to Ottawa here. And, and to be honest, it's a little bit of an unusual fit for me just because Ottawa has a lot of guys who play a very similar role on their roster already. If you if you look at their depth chart for centers, they've got Alex Matias, they've got Alex Fontana, who's a natural center, they've got Jacob Zott, who they drafted a year ago, who's a natural center, even Benjamin Petrie, uh, undrafted free agent out of Guelph is a natural center. Now, any of these guys, including Bergloff, can also slog in at guard, but I see a lot of backlog there, and I don't know if it's the best situation for Bergloff to go to. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how the Red Blacks manage their O-line, and let's let's not forget, this is a team that lost Evan Johnson to free agency. They lost Jason Lazan-Seguin to free agency. Uh, they're, they're basically putting together a brand new offensive line. Fortunately, they have one of the best offensive line coach, coaches in the business in Bob Wiley. We'll go to our final team now. We'll go to the Montreal Alouettes. The Alouettes, I think, really suffered from not having a first-round pick. As we mentioned up the top, the Johnny Manziel trade was the gift that just kept on giving for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They got three first-round picks for the Montreal Alouettes. This was the final year. So when the Montreal Alouettes are on the clock in the first round of the 2022 CFL Draft, That'll be the first time they've made a first-round pick in many years. They did not have one this year. That hurt them. They went in an interesting direction that I guess was was somewhat predictable at 10 overall when uh, JC, they took an offensive lineman who I know you and I both really like in former Caravan guard Pierre-Olivier Lestage. He's a guy who is an absolute athlete for the offensive line position if he didn't have an nfl contract uh, i would have taken him first overall unfortunately for the montreal alouettes he's signed by the seattle seahawks and as i said on the broadcast i actually think he has a really good shot to make that roster the seahawks only had three picks in the nfl draft they have needs along the offensive line they've got a very angry quarterback who wants them to upgrade that position and pierre olivier lestage is is sort of the guy in line to do it as one of their top udfas they don't have other rookies to fill that role so he's got a really good shot to make the seahawks roster and if he does that and sticks in the nfl all of a sudden, this looks like a really poor draft pick up here at number 10, especially considering Montreal didn't have a first-round pick, and you need some help now. Now, that said, Lestage is a very special player. I would have taken him number one overall had it been my selection and he didn't have NFL interest. He is that good. Uh, he moves like butter it's incredible to watch uh, and Danny Machocha absolutely loves him as his former coach but 
perhaps a questionable process here reaching for a guy with a solid NFL shot. Yeah, and the good news for Russell Wilson is there is precedent for uh, Quebec-born offensive linemen going to the NFL and having success. You just have to ask the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs about uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, a.k.a. Larry the Canadian. Uh, we'll now go to Dougster uh, for his analysis on the rest of their draft class uh, with two more offensive linemen, uh, offensive linemen going off the board in round three, round four, and uh, a kicker from Laval in round five. So Trey Rutherford retired as you reported and deftly wrote that first-person story. So we knew going into the draft at some point they were going to have to get some offensive line help that was actually going to be there at some point in the future. Whether or not we actually get on the field in 2021 is another story. Chris Fournier could be viewed likely as that futures pick. Patrick Davis, intriguing, played at Syracuse. You wonder what he can do with that frame. But there was that glaring need of them needing a kicker. And David Cote was somebody that was talked about highly coming into the draft, was reliable for Laval and Ethan McConzo, their last pick in the sixth round, a guy that can come in, I think, contribute right away on special teams. And of course, he's from the University of Montreal and was coached by Danny Machocha. Yeah, we know going into this draft, I mean, we, we know that, that a lot of teams prioritize regionality, right? We see a guy like, you know, Eamon Ogbongamiga from East Calgary ends up with the Stampeders. You've got a player like Ben Halatic, UDC product, Gorman Vernon ends up with the Lions, Cole Nelson and Edmondson, both, you know, Nelson Lacombo plays, you know, his college football for the Huskies, drafted by the Riders. We see that on a, on a fairly regular basis, and we see that a lot as well in Montreal, especially since Danny Machocha took over as the general manager there. Um, he's prioritized in the free agency, um, and it's obvious that that's part of his draft strategy as well. I don't think he goes completely out of his way to draft French Canadians or sign French Canadians, but I think the way he looks at it is he says, hey, if uh, we got the same draft grade on, on guy X and guy Y, let's take the French Canadian because we, we may as well. Uh, we're, we're a French Canadian city, we're a French Canadian province, and we may as well do it. And, you know, more power to them because I think it's great. The fans of Montreal have a ton of French Canadians to, uh, to cheer for. We want final thoughts now, boys. Obviously, we put a year's worth of work into the draft, and then it happens, boom, it's gone. Really quickly, I know it's tough to have reflections on a draft that just ended literally a couple hours ago, but if you had to put one final thought on the 2021 CFL draft, I'd love to get a closing uh, assessment from both of you. We'll start with JC. What is the thing that stands out the most for you reflecting on a 2021 CFL draft that just wrapped up? I think the thing that stands out the most, and and this was talked about before the draft as well, is just the quality of high-end Canadian talent that we saw this year. And not all of it is going to come play in the CFL. There's lots of guys who have signed NFL contracts for draft picks for undrafted free agents. Uh, There is a bunch of guys who will do the same thing next year that were in this draft class because of COVID, um, but will get NFL interest in 2022. But if you look across the board at the depth of talent or, or the height of talent at the top of this draft, at all the different positions, not just your offensive linemen, but at DB, at 
receiver with Terrell Jenna, at linebacker, at defensive line, every single position across the board, there are guys that stand out. Um, and it's it's really good to see Canadian talent uh, be regarded that highly. Now, there are some some drawbacks. I know with the rise of U.S. prep schools and guys going to the States for college ball and high school ball, and maybe that takes away from some of our grassroots football in Canada, those debates can be had. But simply from an exposure standpoint, it's fantastic to see this level of talent at the top of a draft. Yeah, for sure. This isn't your dad's CFL draft. There are more linebackers selected in the first round than, than offensive linemen. I uh, don't know the last time you could say that. We had, we had a tight end at one and a DB at two, right? It's, it's often a parade of the O-linemen at the start of the draft. There was a bit of a run at the start of round two, but, you know, it, I, I, I completely concur, JC. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting to see the way the draft has shifted, and, and I would love to see more Canadians in, in what I guess I'll call skill positions, though I, I really despise that term. Dumpster, we'll go now to you. What are your final thoughts on the 2021 CFL draft. It's the continuing development of Canadian talent. And I said this on the live stream and it needs to be said again. I'm sick and tired of hearing the old excuse for coaches and personnel men in this league that don't do the homework that say they can't find Canadians. This is a sixth round draft stacked with talent that is played against Americans that can play against Americans even if they didn't do that at U Sports that can play against anybody in the world in my very humble opinion. So I'm sick and tired of hearing that and if we're going to talk about lowering the ratio or you know maybe no ratio at all that bias needs to be removed. I don't know exactly how you get it out without having the rules there to keep the ratio in, but we've seen time and time again. Andrew Harris might be the best example of it right now, but a guy that wasn't even drafted went through the Canadian Junior Football League and is a superstar in the league. He just needed some time and some coaching and some development, much in the same mold as a lot of these American players get when they come up here. So the Canadian talent... We continued the momentum from the NFL draft where there was four picks there, which tied a record for the most ever. There were four Canadians signed as undrafted free agents. And then we had people around the league in the CFL calling this one of the most, if not the most, talented draft class that they've ever seen in the CFL. So Canada is coming. We got ballers up here. And I just don't want to hear those excuses anymore from the lazy people out there that aren't willing to do the work. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.